Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hey guys, before we start this episode, just wanted to make a small note that something weird happens with Peter's audio about half an hour into this and there's some weird clicking and... I've done my best to try and remove it, but it's still there. Just want to let you know that there's nothing wrong with your speakers. Everything is okay. It's just Peter and his stupid, stupid microphone. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening, as always. See you next time. I spent the last week... You you linked me to this series of video blogs about Gamergate. Yeah. And Gamergate was one of those areas that I knew, like, the basic, you know, the headlines of and nothing else. So I knew Zoe Quinn harassed and Anita Sarkeesian raised money on Kickstarter and everyone hates her. And that was it. Like, that was the extent of my knowledge about Gamergate. Yeah, and the video series is like a six-part series that tries to explain why Gamergate happened. Why people were so angry. And I, I think he's not entirely unbiased and he... He does a lot of the things that you do in terms of being like, and obviously we should never, ever use this word. And I'm like, that word is useful sometimes. I'm okay with using it. Mm-hmm. I just, literally just before we started recording, I was editing last week's podcast and it took me a while to work out why I had so much trouble understanding you because you refused to use the word dating. So you were like, I was in a relationship with someone and then while I was in that relationship, I was in a relationship with someone else. And I was like... Well, what what, the, what what the fuck does that mean? Like, what you meant was I was dating someone and dated someone else, like while dating that first person. But you were just totally dodging the word dating, and so you were being like relationship this, relationship that, and it was oh. really hard to understand well, for me in that moment to understand what you were talking about. So I had to get you to repeat the whole thing, and then I was able to pass it. But only while editing, it was like that's why I couldn't understand you because you didn't you, like. Do you not like the word dating? No, I don't really have any feelings about the word dating. But you, like, were very carefully avoiding it, it seemed. Yeah, no. I I mean, maybe my unconscious does have a problem with the word dating. <laughs> and so this video series did the same thing. At one point, he uses the word psychopath. And then he has a link to his Tumblr where he had, like, a 2,000-word thing about how no one should ever use the word psychopath. And he apologizes and this and that. And I was like, I, I get that aggressively calling someone a psychopath as an attack is a bad thing or using it as a slur. But... It is also a word that has a meaning, and that meaning is useful in language and culture. Yeah. And so I not, I don't like 100% support the guy who did the videos because I think he's further than I'm comfortable with on the, on the side of like censoring language. It's interesting, though, because he talked about how making that video, he had to turn on his... Uh, two-factor authentication. Yeah, two-factor authentication and fancy security stuff because he knew that he would he was going to get hacked and i think that that topic is just such a it's such a sensitive topic gamergate yeah from all sides that i can understand i can understand why he was particular about the language that he was using because he was 
I think it's one of his most famous videos because he did that one and I Hate Phil Fish, um, which is another really great video. Yeah, I've been watching through his videos and that series between it has like 600,000 views, so about 100,000 per video. And the rest of his stuff has like five to 10,000 views. Like that is that is definitely the one thing he's done that people have watched. Maybe the Phil Fish one, I didn't watch that one yet. But the rest of his stuff has not taken off nearly as much. Yeah, I think he actually kickstarted that Gamergate series. Did he? Yeah. He has a Patreon, is that what you're thinking of? He has a Patreon now, no, but previous to that, I'm pretty sure he kickstarted. <laughs> I was about to Google Kickstarter Gamergate. That will not lead to anything helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And so, yeah, over the last week, I've, I watched that and was like, man, I did not know any of this. Like, this was mostly new to me. And so since then, I have just done a bunch of reading and a bunch of research and watched a bunch of videos and like just in my downtime like I haven't taken days off work to do this but uh during my Pomodoro breaks I've been like this and in the process I like mentioned one or two things on my Facebook about it and my Facebook I really like my Facebook (laughs) sure you do not (laughs) it's not it's not a comfort it's like for me your Facebook wall is like going to a real a club that I feel really uncomfortable in and also people are yelling at each other in the club and <laughs> and most clubs the music's super loud some people are trying to just dance and have a good time and I'm just sitting in the corner reading my kindle you know <laughs> uh do you read through the threads of my wall uh sometimes mostly I just look at the question and I'm like oh peter can you, okay, for people who don't have me on Facebook, describe my Facebook wall. It's so funny because I've been through such a relationship with your Facebook wall because... <laughs> Tell me the whole tale. I want to hear every step of this, please. Obviously, we went out at yep. some point. And then when we broke up, every now and again, I would look at your Facebook and I would just hate on you. I would actually use it as a way of being like, I'm so glad I don't have that asshole in my life. Um, <laughs> not asshole, but like... I'd just look at it and I'd be like, yeah, there's there's Peter being Peter. Uh. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Again, people who don't know so me, this is, it's like this is the summary. Asking, it's you mostly asking semi-controversial to controversial questions on your Facebook wall and people answering those questions and sometimes fighting a lot. Yeah. I remember seeing one the other day. This is a pretty mild one, which is like, do you think people are mostly awful or good? And I said, I think people are awfully good. Yeah, and I was like, thanks, SJ. Thanks for contributing nothing. <laughs> Thank you for adding nothing to the conversation. Yeah, that's like the extent of my contribution. Or, no, but sometimes you do a thing that's like, comment here and I will tell you five reasons that I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good one. I remember that. <laughs> that one was really good. Yeah, I ran, I ran out. Of, I ran out of steam in the end. I did like forty, but then there were another fifty to go, and I just I meant to get back to them, and I just never did. Uh, I ran a trivia for a while. Like I, I asked trivia questions and got people to answer them. That one caused some interesting fights. Lucy, uh, my partner, he was obviously new to me and thus new to my Facebook wall, and I never explained it. Like he never asked, so I never explained it. So it was like this area of our relationship that not area of our relationship. This is a part of our life that. We didn't directly discuss because you don't discuss everything directly. Like, there's no need to. And then, like, two or three weeks back, he was like, oh, I get it. Your Facebook's like the Wild West. <laughs> uh, which I quite like um, because I 
recently was talking to someone who is quite vocal on my, on my Facebook. I really enjoy their contributions about how it works. And first of all, it's like explicitly not a safe space. Like I, I censor people if they're being really arsehole but I do not censor people for having different opinions. And a lot of places will do that. They'll couch in different terms. Oh, wow. Yeah, your, your face. Yeah, that is your Facebook wall. Which part? It is the Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have MRAs on there and I have people who are devoutly religious and don't believe in evolution. For people who might not know what an MRA is. Initialism literally stands for men's rights activist. The association that most people have with MRA is that they are loud and push their way into conversations. Uh, MRA as a movement was set up in opposition to feminism. And in my experience, a lot of the stuff that they do online is in opposition to feminism. As in, they will come into feminist spaces and be like, what about this and this and this? And people will be like, that's not really what we're talking about. And I used to run a, a feminist discussion group. I've talked about this in the past. And the intent of the group was to allow MRAs to come in and have those conversations. I ended up having to walk away from it after like 18 months because it got to the point where I realized that the majority of MRAs, not all, there were two who were quite nice, but every other MRA who joined that group was not interested in a conversation. They're interested in shouting their opinion. What? Oh, I was just thinking about how like so many groups look like that. Yeah, and so that that is their opinion of feminism uh, as well. They're like, they just... I don't quite understand their view of feminism, but um, my Facebook wall is, I, yeah, so I realized, I was talking to my friend who contributes quite often about my Facebook wall and I put it into words and for the first time, like understood what I was doing, which is for me, my Facebook wall is not a place to hang out with my friends because there are a lot of people on there who I don't particularly like, or I wouldn't call friends or anything like that. There's a lot of people, like there's many, many people I do like very much, but that's not what I primarily use Facebook for. For me, Facebook is a really good cross section of the population at large in a conversation that I can shape and moderate. Is it though? Because I mean, I don't imagine a way in which your Facebook friends list could possibly be a good cross-section. Maybe I'm using the word cross-section wrong, but it has people from all of the extremes of politics and all of the extremes of religion. And uh. it has a lot of moderates, like a huge number of moderates. And it has, it, it, it's, it's as far as I can get from being an echo chamber. It's probably majority people who are left wing and majority people who are feminist, but then there is that that is not exclusively that, and it's very deliberately not exclusively that. If anyone was listening to the podcast and they friended you on Facebook, would you accept them? Uh, so I used to do that, and then spam bots found out about it. So now I get between like ten and thirty friend requests a day, <laughs> and so I have to click through. And well, generally I'll just glance at the photo and be like, "Nope, you are too sexy to be a real person." Oh, okay, sure. And then I, if if we have mutual friends, I will actually click through to your profile. That's the first step. And then if you didn't, you know, create your profile in the last 12 hours and add 40 photos in the last 12 <laughs> hours, then I'll, I'll probably accept you. But other than that, it's pretty rare for me to accept random friend requests. No, but that sounds like, that sounds possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. The only criteria I have is that you're not a spam bot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to uh, say. So to answer, to answer the question that you're intending, yes. Uh, yes, I will, I'll accept any random so friend request. So anyone who's listening to the podcast could add you as a friend on Facebook and then they yeah. could experience the, <laughs> the wild, wild west, wild west <laughs> of Peter's Facebook wall. Yeah, so, so for me, and this confuses a lot of people and I'd never even consciously considered it. For me, it's not about a, a safe space for me to hang out with my friends. It's a place to have interesting conversations which happen on a daily basis. Like 
they're so interesting. I get so fascinated by them. And so I'll be working and then during my Pomodoro break, I will go and, and click through and be like, oh man, 40 new comments and people arguing about this thing. The biggest argument that ever happened on there. Do you want to have a guess? Was it about feminism? It was not about feminism. Was it about religion? It was not about religion. Was it about, uh, oh my God, it was about something stupid, wasn't it? It was about math. <laughs> like this is the, that, that was the first time I think I had to step in and be like, guys, calm your tits. Like, soothe your uh, boobs. Soothe thine boobs. I had to be like, okay, this is getting out of hand, but it was so interesting. It was a probability question. I was working on game design. I had a, a question. I'll tell you the question. I don't think you'll find it interesting, but it's very simple. If you have a way of randomly generating a number between 1 and 60, would that have the same probability of getting any of those numbers as generating a random number between 1 and 100, and if it's over 60, throwing out the result and generating it again until it's 60 or below? You are correct. I am not interested in that question. <laughs> Does it make sense, though? Yeah, that makes sense. So the way I phrased it was if you have a 60-sided dice and a 100-sided dice, do you get the same results if you roll the 100-sided dice and, and re-roll if you get over 60? Oh my goodness, the arguments that that drew. And the main problem was that three people who were like provably wrong, because with math, you can prove people wrong. There were three people all provably wrong arguing on the same side who were professional math teachers. Oh. And so they, quite understandably, were like, how can you think we are wrong about this? Like, this is our job. We know we're right. And everyone else like holding the proof, being like, you're not, and I feel really bad for children everywhere in Australia now. <laughs> it was the most fascinating. Uh, yeah, so the way I use Facebook is really quite substantially different to the way that everyone else uses Facebook. Watching people fight on my Facebook wall causes me anxiety. Oh, yeah, on the Honorary Sleep public page? Yeah. I mean, I'm any kind of thing that I have. I was actually talking about this last night. Some people like me, I think, get exhilarated by it. Some people get really exhausted and drained by it. I get like, my brain hurts. No. And basically it's just so difficult to do because your Facebook wall is the wild, wild west. Whereas mine, I don't like it to be the wild, wild west. Actually, what I try and promote is like understanding. I try to promote understanding. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm the not reason I let people from all sides argue is because if you spend your whole time being like, you don't agree with me, I'm not going to listen, then you're never going to get any understanding. Like that is the best way to have a closed mind is to close your mind. But people don't often don't want to do that. Do what? Everyone is going to use the internet and their social media in a different way. And some people use it because they want to open up ideas and learn new things. Some people do it because... It's a way of, it's not about understanding stuff. You said people don't want to do that. What did you mean specifically? I don't understand. I feel like a lot of the time there's, it's a, it's a way of entertaining by getting angry. Yeah, that, that, that is sometimes definitely the case on my Facebook wall. But I know for a fact, like, a dozen people who have changed their mind about stuff based on conversations on my Facebook wall. Because for the most part, you're not exposed to those other ideas in a situation where you're expected to actually debate it. And I mean, the other thing is, of course, people are going to get angry. I don't know. People can use their emotional experiences in a lot of different ways. For me personally, I really don't like sitting in anger. I don't 
So a few weeks ago, I put up a post about Slut Walk, which is this, it's an international thing against slut shaming and against victim blaming. And I talked about sexual violence and it was like a photo of my hips and stuff. And someone from Scotland, I don't know, the UK, there was a few people <laughs> that all seemed to be in Europe who like picked up on this thing that I'd posted and then just said a bunch of really vitriolic mean stuff. And I just picked out one of them, which was someone saying that I was fat, which I thought was an interesting response to someone saying they experienced sexual violence. Um, (laughs) But when I got the tweet, when I saw it, I was like, I was kind of like, how are we as a species, as humans, with our humanity, how do we deal with this? Like, how do I deal with this in a way that for me, I don't want to... I actually don't want to fight with people on the internet. You just ignore it, surely. Surely you just ignore it. But like, for me, I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's not nothing, you know? I don't know. I was just like, what is a good way of dealing with this? Anyway, I just posted it. Posted your tweet with the response. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course. And then everyone was like, real, like not angry, but you know, like, Fuck this. Yeah, I remember you telling me you realized that you'd accidentally <laughs> riled up your audience. Yeah, and then I was like, of course everyone's getting angry now. And I was like, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And so then I edited my post to be like, look, I'm not actually angry. I'm not... Ah, fuck! <laughs> yeah, you, you learned your lesson that day. <laughs> Which isn't to say that I wouldn't do it again. Just, I don't know. I understand why people do that because... Putting that post up and having everyone being incredibly supportive felt good. It felt like I had turned this private experience of... Negativity. Of being in my bed, about to go to bed, looking at my Twitter and a, a group of people who I don't know halfway across the world calling me fat and I'm not going to even say what else, but a bunch of other shit. And then turned it into this other thing where everyone was on my side but at the same time I actually didn't want to create a group of angry people but I did accidentally because we've discussed in the past that anger is the most viral emotion and it sticks with you longest and gets you to share things and blah 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 absolutely my posts are never ever with that intent like I don't go how can I make people angry today because that doesn't lead to interesting conversation If I posted something being like, this person's obviously an idiot, I'd get a lot of comments being like, yeah, that person's an idiot. And then comments being like, no, they're not. You're an idiot. And that's that's really, really fucking uninteresting to read and to be a part of, frankly. Like I that's that's when I when when we're talking about my Facebook wall being the Wild West, it's not like shootouts every day. Um it's well the Wild West in that I don't really moderate. I let it kind of run until if people are being real dicks, if people are going to personal attacks or if people are being rude or anything like that, I will shut it down or I'll just delete that person if I don't particularly know them. If they're my friend, I'll send them a message. Be like, hey, stop that or I will delete you. But it's not the Wild West in terms of like, there are no rules and, and it's all about violence. My, my philosophies that I talk about in this of like, shit is fucking complicated and interesting. I believe, I believe that that was originally <laughs> my philosophy. Uh, that I have... Just go back to shit complicated with my ex. (laughs) But like that kind of stuff is what I talk about on Facebook. So I'm not like, oh man, 
aren't anti-feminists the worst? Or like Trump. I don't think I've ever posted anything about Trump because that's not an interesting conversation on any level. It's very, oh, very yeah. easy to be like, look at this really dumb thing Trump did. And then all the people will be like, yeah, he's really dumb. And the people who like Trump will be like, nah, he's being misrepresented or whatever. It's just, it's not going to turn into a dialogue. And the dialogue is what I find super interesting. So I post stuff like um, pointing out hypocrisies in arguments. Like, that's what I find interesting. When, when not this person's an idiot, but like this person did this thing and then they, they, they said this thing and then they did this thing or they said this thing and then this contradictory thing. I also try to avoid negativity. Like, that's a really big one. I don't want to be on my wall being like, ah, this thing sucks. I will mentally write maybe, I think I've talked about this in the past as well. I'll mentally write maybe two or three posts a day that I'm like, ah, this thing. And then as I'm about to type it up, I'm like, is this what I want to put into the world? Like, do I want to add more negativity into the world? Or could I put a positive post up instead? So the, the math thing I, I was talking about, that was a genuine question. I was like, does is this the same probability? I think it is, but I don't, I can't quite get my head around it. And that turned into a massive fight because that's the most interesting to- topics when people have different opinions about something without thinking the other side is obviously an idiot. Yeah. We've talked about corresponding bias before or the fundamental attribution error. I think we've talked about it a few times, but it's basically that when we do something bad or that could be seen as bad from the outside, like running a red light, we have a story and context to running that red light, which might be, I'm going to miss my flight or someone is pregnant or someone is in hospital. Or like, I'm, I'm late to this date and if I miss this date, she will dump me and I love her. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when we see someone else doing something like running a red light, we we attribute that to their personality and we say that's a bad person or that's a bad driver rather than I wonder what is happening that made that person do that. And I think that that comes in. I wish that internet conversations took that into account a bit more. And I don't know. I mean that I think the the other thing I was going to say is the reason I like my Facebook wall is because I learn stuff and change my mind from it. Yeah. And I think seeing someone do that helps other people realize that that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, I know of like a dozen different occasions where people have actually changed their mind on things. I'm not saying like people went from being an ardent Trump voter to being a, a massive Hillary supporter, but people are like, oh yeah, that thing that I said, that was wrong or that was hypocritical. It's so nice also because I think we've talked about this before, but in the Patreon, so there's a Patreon for this show there's a patreon for this podcast and in there we have some good conversations and what's nice is that it's it's not public and and kind of i feel like i you know i feel like i'm getting to know people in there and i feel like there's a different way of coming conversations where people are trying to work out you know trying to understand what's going on and also are willing to come back to ideas, change their mind. It's my little sacred space that I like (laughs) and isn't as terrifying as the rest of the internet. (laughs) I'm curious myself, and I think this will help people listening understand what I'm talking about. I'm just going to read out some of my most recent controversial status updates. So there's this great uh, post by Kat Tanaka Okopnik explaining what mansplaining means. Uh, The term mansplaining, you know, mansplaining doesn't mean explaining done by a man. It means a man chose to barge in with the explanations without... Checking the credentials of anyone else in the conversation, assuming his were better than anyone else's in the room, i.e. that he was the expert by default. 
And so I just posted an image explaining that and said, this is the original intent of the term. It's not how it's used 100% of the time. This is what it was coined to mean, which is a fairly neutral statement. Like, there's no agenda in that. <laughs> that is what the term was coined to mean. That is not how people always use it, but that is what it's meant to mean. Because I see a lot of people not getting that. And that's, that's, that's launched like five or six big conversations. And those are all really interesting to me. I posted, is Pokemon Go a flash in the pan fad or is it here to stay? That's obviously a less controversial one. But again, like I post stuff when I want to learn more about it because watching people argue is a really, really, really effective way of learning more about both sides of the issue. Do you think that maybe you could pitch the wild, wild west of your Facebook to be a really engaging tonight show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, where you just like, Pokemon Go, flash in the pan, or is it here to stay? Everyone have it out. The trouble is for that to be an actual entertaining TV show, and this is already a poor idea, but for that to be an entertaining TV show, the entertainment comes from people yelling at each other. Oh, and then it turns into Jerry Springer. Oh, I was thinking like, have you ever seen Bill, what's his name, Bill Mayer? No. Or like, um, there's a bunch of American talk show hosts who aren't like the Conan O'Briens or the Steve Colbert's or whatever, but... They are the political shows and they genuinely just get people on from opposite ends of the spectrum and they just yell at each other for five, ten minutes. And no one learns anything. Like, the people watching don't learn anything because someone will raise a point. Yeah. That might be a good point. It might not. Who the fuck knows? And the other person won't respond to that point but will yell at them for raising that point or say that's a racist thing to say or... Like, it's just really, really, really uninteresting and unhelpful. It's not a discussion, it's a shouting match. Did you used to watch Q&A when you were in Australia? No, I never saw... I, I saw maybe one or two episodes, but it wasn't... A, I didn't have a TV. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you can watch it on iView. But anyway, Q&A is a, it's a political panel show, mostly political, and hosted by Tony Jones. And they get four panelists on each week and they talk about whatever the hot topics are. The issues. Yeah. So like Prime Minister of Australia have been on and yeah. uh, Richard Dawkins has been on it. Yeah, when they get big overseas guests coming to Australia, they're usually on it. And I realized the other day that I watched that show in the way that a lot of other people watch football. <laughs> I'm like, oh, snap, no, yes. That's ah. it. Like that for me is, is the essence of it. Like I don't post these stuff to win. You post it to watch. I don't give a shit about winning. No, to learn. Like, it's it's like going into a football match not to score the most points, but to improve your form. That's a really poor example because improved form in football, in football is scoring more points. But, like, I don't want to have this argument to win the argument and convince the other person my point of view. I want to find out what they think and why they think it. And my point of view is there as, as, a, as a counter, but... That's not why I'm doing... I, I want to I understand why people who don't see the things the way I do see the things the way that they do. Yeah. We had an argument on this podcast once. It was our most uncomfortable episode, people have said. And yeah, people really disliked that episode. Arguing with my ex and then arguing with my ex again. And at some point we should follow up because we've gotten so many amazing emails with like thoughts on, on the whole argument. But one thing that really stood out, like that, that episode was a big deal for me. Have we talked about this? No. I didn't know it was a big deal. That episode was a big deal to me because how often do people listen to themselves during an argument? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now I understand why. Okay. I remember you saying that that was the first time that you'd listened to yourself while you were having an argument. 
yeah, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I, I really like, I like myself a lot. That's one of the things I'm known for because I'm great and I appreciate how great I am. Okay. But during, like listening to that, I did not like me. Whew. Wait on, why didn't you like you? Because I was ignoring your points a lot of the time and just kind of skipping yes. to the next thing I wanted to say. Mm. Well, because we came to that and you were like, I have thought about this for three weeks. I now have very solid opinions and I would like to voice those. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And so I was trying to get through all those opinions in like the hour that we have for the podcast. And in the process, just like dismissing your points in a way that was really rude. And I didn't like, I didn't like me during that episode. Well, today is a great day now. Uh, thank you. (laughs) That's okay. I've said this to you before. I know, but I don't think you, I don't think you said it in real life. You know, <laughs> Skype. I said it in text. Also, uh, it wasn't recorded. Now we've officially <laughs> it got count. it. Peter is beholden to me. I would like payment in cute selfies. Thank you. That is that is an unreasonable term. <laughs> and I refuse to acquiesce. And so after that, like, I, I really sat back and was like, is that how I argue? Like, that's super dicky. I argue like a dick. And so I've, I've I don't think I've improved, but I've been more aware of it, which is helpful. Do you argue differently at all? I acknowledge to myself that I'm not a great arguer because I'm not. I'm really just not that good at arguing. And that was not an opinion I had before then. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I I am more patient with other people not understanding my point or not getting what I'm talking about or not agreeing with me, which I think used to frustrate me a bit more than it does now. I think that the experience of arguing with you is like when you go on a fun family holiday to one of those giant mazes. And then you're like, this is going to be so fun. And you go into the maze and you're like, Woo, look at that. Oh, my God, look at that thing. And then you get stuck in the maze and <laughs> with your family and everyone's pissed off and annoyed and it's the worst and you don't have anything to eat. And that chewing gum, you've been chewing on it for three hours now and it's turned to paste in your mouth. It's disgusting. And you don't know how to get out. So all in all, a great experience. <laughs> I learned a lot from that episode and I don't know. I um, I don't know how to argue well and I don't really have time to like research it in detail. Uh, I don't know if there is a, a clear, this is how you argue well, but I don't know how to do it. And so I, I'm just kind of like going into stuff being like, Peter, you're not very good at this. So calm. Wow. This podcast, I think, has really taken you down a peg or two. Yeah, it has. It absolutely has. So like... What would be the pegs? I feel like one would be you now don't think you're a good arguer. Uh, I don't think I'm a. I don't think I'm a very good arguer. I have more empathy for people not understanding my examples. <laughs> From the outside, I understand they're like these, they're these mysterious objects that I'm like, come on, how can you not know what this is? Not see it. But from the inside, like they genuinely make the most sense out of everything in the world. Yeah, it's like a colorblind person. Basically, it's like. I feel like I'm not colorblind. I go off. I'm like, read this. People are like, I can't read that. I'm like, I can read this so clearly. How can you not read this? So arguing, anything else? Any other just like flaws we've uncovered throughout the last nine months? This is not fun for me. Oh, I'm sorry. So it feels cruel. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Oh yeah, because you're literally being like, Peter, in what ways are you shit? No, 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 I just, I, you generally like reflecting on yourself and how you've changed. and Yeah. So. I like reflecting on myself when I notice I've changed. I don't like 
being recorded as someone's like, tell me the worst things about yourself. Tell me the things about yourself that you really, really, really dislike, please. And like, there's none on top of my head. So I have to be like, okay, I guess I'll spend the next few minutes thinking about why I'm not very good. That's not a fun time. I just thought you might have some ideas, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. It's okay. But can I make an observation? Yes. So usually we talk about on this show, me becoming you. Moving in a Peterwood direction. Moving in a Peterwood direction. I feel like maybe you're moving in an SJ Wood direction. SJ Wood? What is that shit? That's that's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly not a word. <laughs> you know, because I feel like <laughs> I generally have a lot more <laughs> insecurities and self-doubt. That doesn't seem like a good direction to move. <laughs> I'm not saying it's better. <laughs> I'm just saying it is more over here. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right in that regard. Generally, I like myself because I like to self-improve. And self-improvement does involve finding bits that you're not good at. The way that I normally do that is to attempt impossible tasks and then note where I fail. Like when I'm like what? Like dating me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's not the example I would have gone to. But yeah, that's a really, really good example. Is it really? You're very hard to date. I don't know. Maybe not these days, but would you have dated you when we dated? (sighs) Look, I feel like most people shouldn't be allowed to date anyone until they're at least (laughs) mid-twenties. Said from someone in their (laughs) mid-twenties. I'm 27. I'm totally past that. But unfortunately, (laughs) you know, humans learn by fucking up a lot. Oh, yes. And... Our laws don't prohibit people from dating (laughs) (laughs) under 25. (laughs) Yep. So this is what we have to work with. Yeah, the examples I was going to give is like when I was 20, 21, 22, I filmed three television pilots off my own back, being basically the entire crew and the director and starring in it and writing in it. They were not very good. Because that is an impossible task. But I went away from that learning a lot about what I was not good at. Right now I'm running a board game company and trying to design more ambitious games. And if I just stick to the stuff I'm good at, I'm not going to learn what I'm not good at, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm trying to write more ambitious board games at the moment and being like, man, I, I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at it. I need to learn. I need to get better. That's exhilarating to me. Like that is a real exhilaration. And that is why I like myself because I'm constantly seeking out those challenges and then improving in response to where I fail. Yeah. That makes sense. Sitting down and being like, okay, what stuff that I'm just genuinely a bit shit at and doesn't affect my life negatively, that's not fun. Oh, no, but I mean, I actually don't mean in terms of like, let's let's just dredge up all the stuff you've learned that you're crap at. I mean, I think that having an awareness about yourself and how you work, even if it's not necessarily a positive thing, is a helpful thing. So knowing maybe that you don't argue well is a helpful thing to know. Right. And so that, that is something that I became aware of. And now I'm like, I'm glad I know that. But being like, what else are you shit at is uh, not, a fun, not a fun game for me. Again, I'm sorry. I just thought That's you okay. might have other ideas that would be interesting. No, nope. you don't. <laughs> no interesting ideas from Peter today. Well, that's something we've all learned today, that I have no interesting ideas. One of the best, best, best things about the internet is that it lets people find communities. Yeah. One of the worst things about communities is that if they're really easy to find, you don't ever have to step outside them. Ah. Also, I mean, Facebook is engineered 
to keep you in that safe little place where everyone agrees. Yeah, the little uh, echo chamber bubble. And so, you know, you go back to the 50s. And the 50s, obviously, were not a very good time for many reasons. But people's friends were the people who lived on either side of them. And people would be friends of people of the opposite political persuasion who, like, they totally disagreed with because they they had proximity. Now, I would not want to live in that time and have to live like that. I really enjoy having friends who are poly and into board games and blah, blah, blah. But the downside of it is that it's really, really, really easy to turn people who are not in your community into the other. Yeah, totally. And so that's one thing I like about my Facebook. People, a lot of the people who know me are of a certain community type. And when they get exposed to people in the comments, it is not the first time, obviously, but it is a time in their life when they're exposed to someone who they really disagree with and are asked to see their point of view. Because it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, Republicans are all idiots. Like they just are. They're just all really stupid people. That's not helpful. (laughs) That's really closed-minded. That is super common. It's really common for people to be like, people who don't disagree with me, oh, they obviously haven't thought this through or they're obviously morally corrupt or they are the other and their opinions can just be totally disregarded. And so I would like more opportunities for people to like have a place where you can have that conversation and be like, oh... I still really disagree with you, but I get where you're coming from. Like, that's super important. I was at a group process, which I talked about a a week ago, a few weeks ago on the podcast. And one thing that one of the facilitators said at the end that I really liked was we can in this room sort of come to an agreement with a bunch of these problems in terms of relating to where everyone's coming from. And in group process, people play different roles around a particular topic so if you were going to talk about you know gender equality then you would have someone playing the role of someone interested in men's rights someone interested in feminism in you know all these different roles what I thought she said at the end that was really interesting was that often in complex issues where there's an imbalance of power the responsibility to fix the issue often falls on the person who is disadvantaged by that power imbalance. Well, they're the ones incentivized to fix it. Yeah, they're the ones incentivized. So, like, if you look at just domestic violence as an example, like, a lot of the people who are involved in that are people, mostly are, are women. Who have suffered domestic violence. Often a, lo- a lot of them have experienced domestic violence, which is creates a real difficulty in terms of trying to change attitudes because you need everyone on board. So I think what she said, which was really nice, was that sometimes we can idealize the issue of the problem can be solved if we just relate enough and sometimes I think that I fall into that camp of like oh why can't we just relate enough but I think that too often that burden falls on the people who are disadvantaged by the situation of course because they're the people who are getting the shit end of the deal and I think that's a nuance in terms of how we talk about this stuff because with any issue not trying to understand the other side is not really going to get us anywhere. But also we can't fix the problem just by relating, particularly because often whoever's in the lower power position has a lot of incentive to change the thing and whoever's in the higher power position has much less incentive to change whatever's going on. More often an incentive to keep it as it is. (laughs) Yeah, often they don't come to the party. So you end up with like the, the people who are suffering being like, okay, let's dedicate some of our time to understanding it from their point of view. 
and the people who are in power being like, Fuck we you didn't guys. do that. So, yeah. <laughs> so you have two groups understanding it from the empowered point of view and one group spending half their time enjoying it, not half their time, but yeah. So I find it really interesting about how do we, how do we actually work out these really complicated social issues? Because being divisive and saying, no, you are over there and I am over here and you are a bad person and I am a good person doesn't solve the problem, I think. No, I think you're fairly right, yeah. <laughs> it can kind of change stuff, but often it changes stuff by using like fear and shame as a tool. And I think that that changes people's behavior, but it doesn't so much change people's attitudes. Like if people get yelled at, for whatever thing that they've expressed, they'll they'll stop expressing it that they won't stop thinking it. And I think attitudes is so much harder and more complicated and intricate and fragile to sort of work with. And I think a lot of it, the ability to do that comes from being able to be compassionate to something that you are fundamentally opposed to. There's two factors. One is that it is a really, really, really good way of binding people together, of like creating a, a community and creating a tribe is to have an enemy. Yeah. So for a lot of people, that is justification enough. They're like, hey, we want, I'm going to make up some political group. Uh, I like artificial sweetener in my tea. A lot of people like sugar. It is much easier to build a community of people who like artificial sweetener if you paint sugar eaters as evil like as evil as as primitive tribes people who are still eating that stuff that came out of the ground yeah. and then if the if the sugar people are like well you know what we want to build a community against this so let's paint them as they are scientists you know it's going to give you cancer blah 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 it's a tool in that sense and i don't like that it's a tool but it's impossible to deny that it is an effective tool and people are like hey i know you don't want us to paint the other group as the other but it is a really good way of getting our cause assembled it is a really good way of causing solidarity. It is a really good way of making us feel better about the fact that we don't like sugar. And who am I to fucking say those are not good enough reasons? Like, those are really good reasons. I yeah. personally don't approve of it, but those are really good reasons. And then there's also the fact that it is way easier to change people's minds if you can give them an argument that they understand. And so rather than being like, sugar eaters, you're all full of sugar, you pixies. Yeah. If you go in being like, you guys are idiots, you should do this, you're not going to convince anyone. If you go in with facts and evidence and anecdotes and stories and narrative, narrative is so important. And that, yeah. that's why I, I spend so much time on like representation and stuff like that, because that changes lives, that changes the world. Look at the gay movement, like measure the first time they started appearing in TV regularly to like gay marriage being not only legal, but widely accepted as the correct decision. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that's not a coincidence. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really complex system, as most things are. It's fucking complicated. I personally don't like painting the other person as the other. I can understand why it's effective. I still don't like it. But I don't want to go around being like, stop doing that. Yeah, I feel the same way. People have good reason for doing it. And sometimes they haven't thought it through. Sometimes they have. Sometimes they'll reflexively say that they've thought it through and they haven't. But it's not my place. And that's about, like, what's effective, right? And I don't yeah. think that there's a right answer because... That's a really complicated question uh, of what what is actually effective in terms of cha changing attitudes and minds and understanding all that kind of... I feel like there's one attitude which is like all understanding and nice and blah, 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 blah. But particularly in terms of new media and what we're looking at, actually lack of understanding gets you further in a bunch of ways. Like, Well, that, that, that picture you posted. Yeah, it's going to be way more viral 
it's going to go way farther. It's going to touch way more people. If it's less... Nuanced. Yeah, if it's less nuanced. It's something that I find interesting about my sort of creative career because I'm like all nuanced baby. And (laughs) that's actually not good for my career. Like in some ways that's an intentional choice, which makes me and my work less able to spread. I don't think it makes me less successful. It depends how you're measuring success, but it makes it way less able to spread. Yeah. So that is uh, the story of my Facebook wall. (laughs) I'm glad we got to the bottom of it. Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot because there were like five arguments last week. So that's that's why I brought it up. I don't need to apologize for bringing it up, but that is why I brought it up. Do we have an outro? We do not have any new outros. So we're, we're dipping back into our, our classic uh, classic outro collection. Could we please play the Birthday Loyalty Club? We, ju- we just had that like four episodes I ago. I know, but it's so good. So uh, we're dipping back into our collection of favorites. And this one is from just a few episodes ago. It is the Birthday Loyalty Club. Thanks for listening to Being Earnest with My Eggs. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes and unsubscribe from This American Life. Peter is my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you it's very much. It's still really fucking good. That one's still really good. It's a classic. By the time this podcast goes up, my Kickstarter will have either launched or be just about to launch. So head to DraculasFeast.com and check out my latest Kickstarter. Even if you don't want the game, that's totally understandable. It's a great game. You should want it. It's gorgeous too. But even if you don't want it, if you can just pledge a dollar, that is so helpful for like uh, yeah. Kickstarter algorithms. Yeah, I was going to say in terms of algorithms, that really helps, hey? Yeah, it, it pushes it up the ratings and it means more people see it. And it's just like... It's a dollar. If you could give me one dollar for this Kickstarter, it's super, super helpful. And I'll appreciate it. And I'll read your name out in the video. That's how it works. Oh, really? The one dollar pledge level is I read your name out in the video. I just recorded the one for Scuttle. Oh, I backed a Kickstarter once. Like, it would be like two years ago now. And one of the prizes I got was I got Sia to read out my name. Whoa. Sia. What was your name at the time? So I backed the Kickstarter the day that I officially sort of like changed my name or had a second name um and so had honor easily and so i was like perfect this is a perfect present to myself for (laughs) this anyway somewhere in the process of making that video someone must have typed in my name wrong and so i got the video and she said honor estley and i was like not my name (laughs) i've emailed them like three or four times I don't think that I will ever get a new video because... No, I would be really, I would be really surprised really, if that happened. I would be really confused if that happened. <laughs> Sia's become so much more famous since, <laughs> since I got that video. So I feel like it's just like shares that I've held on to, like, you know, social media <laughs> capital that I've held on to this video for so long and still haven't... <laughs> I haven't put it anywhere. <laughs> But yeah, if you want me to read your name out before I become really, really famous, Dracula's Feast, that's Dracula S Feast, Dracula'sFeast.com. It's a social deduction game. Details are on the page, but in short, four away players, super fun, super pretty. Uh, and as always, head over to SJ's Facebook page if you want to discuss this podcast. It is not the Wild West. That's all from us. Goodbye. <laughs>